disciples. There was a rich man whose manager was accused of wasting his possessions. So he called him in and asked him, what is this I hear about you? Give an account of your management because you cannot be manager any longer. The manager said to himself, what shall I do now? My master is taking away my job. I'm not strong enough to dig and I'm ashamed to beg. I know what I'll do so that when I lose my job here, people will welcome me into their houses. So he called in each one of his master's debtors. He asked the first, how much do you owe my master? 800 gallons of olive oil, he replied. The manager told him, take your bill, sit down quickly and make it 400. Then he asked the second, how much do you owe? A thousand bushels of wheat, he replied. He told him, take your bill and make it 800. The master commended the dishonest manager because he had acted shrewdly. For the people of this world are more shrewd in dealing with their own kind than are the people of the light. I tell you, use worldly wealth to gain friends for yourselves, so that when it is gone, you will be welcomed into eternal dwellings. Whoever can be trusted with very little can also be trusted with much, and whoever is dishonest with very little will also be dishonest with much. So if you have not been trustworthy in handling worldly wealth, who will trust you with true riches? And if you have not been trustworthy with someone else's property, who will give you property of your own? No servant can serve two masters. Either he will hate the one and love the other, or he will be devoted to the one and despise the other. You cannot serve both God and money. Well, good morning, North Point family. It is awesome to be with you here on this very snowy day. Seems like we missed out on all of winter and it's just getting us now. And uh, But I'm so glad that you're here with us today, whether you're here at our Edmonton campus, joining us online in Vegreville or also in Chauvin. Just so glad to have you with us. Today we're starting a new series and in order to start talking about it, I thought I'd share a little story of the first time I made money of my own. Now, now here's something about me. I grew up in a family where, man, if you wanted to eat, you needed to work, okay? So, you know, things like mowing the lawn or taking out the garbage, that wasn't called a chore or that wasn't something that you got paid for. That was just called your breathing tax, okay? Uh, that's so that you could sit down at the family dinner table and actually get fed. And so there would be lots of things that I would be doing since I was, you know, say six years old. I, I'd work at my dad's shop, uh, clean parts. He was a mechanic and I would, you know, sweep up and, and clean the offices. So it was just something that I do all the time. But then I remember my dad saying to me, hey, listen, there is a customer that I have and he's looking for someone to mow his lawn. And I said that you would do it. So like right off the bat, my first job, my dad's like, you're going to do it. And so I went over to Earl's house and I went to mow his lawn. Now you've got to know something about Earl. Earl was the crustiest man I've ever ever met in my whole life. My, my dad would have Earl come out to the shop and Earl was one of those guys, he was unhappy about everything in life and he definitely held on to his cash. Like he was the kind of guy that, you know, you would do work for him and, uh, and he'd be negotiating after all the work was done and he was happy with it. And so here I am, I go to Earl's house, he's got a, a reasonably big yard and uh, I'm used to our Toro lawnmower, that red Toro lawnmower, you know, and I was getting good at 
at, at pull starting that thing, but he had an electric lawnmower, and he insisted that I use this electric lawnmower. Now, some of you, if you're a little bit younger, you're like, well, that's no big deal. That's really nice, electric, battery-operated. No, 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 no. We're not talking about battery-operated like we have today. I'm talking about electric. You plug this thing in. Like, it had like a 150-foot cord. And here I am, I'm thinking, like, I don't know how to run this thing because you would easily run over the cord. So, so it was one of those things where you had to always switch the handle back and forth to make sure that you weren't going to run over the cord. Long story short, I, I started mowing the lawn, and the whole time, Earl was out there smoking a cigar, and he watched me the whole time. I don't know why he didn't just do it himself. He just smoked his cigar. He probably you know, had a little bit of whiskey in his glass, but he just watched me the whole time. Finally, I finished up, and I'll never forget, Earl handed me $10. He probably asked me for change. Uh, I can't remember that. I just remember getting that $10, folks, and, and I was so pumped. I had 10 bucks. It was really the first time I had been paid by anyone else to do any work, and that 10 bucks, man, it burned a hole in my pocket. I just, man, I could not wait to go down to Ken's convenience store and buy as many chips and chocolate bars and hockey cards and all of those kind of things with that money. And I've seen the same thing with my kids, you know, that as, as they've been, you know, getting jobs, as they've been doing odd jobs and getting paid for them, I see that same, you know, desire within them. All of a sudden, they've got a little bit of cash in their pocket, and they want to spend it. Now, we've tried to teach our kids right from day one that it's not only about spending, but it's about saving, and it's about giving. In fact, I remember uh, my wife, when our kids were very, very small, like two or three years old, buying them piggy banks, and it had three compartments one was for spending, one was for giving, one was for saving. And still to this day, we, we have that going on in our family, that if you're going to make money, that, that we've got to save some, we've got to give some, and we've got to spend some. Now, got to spend some, that's the easy part of it, as we all know. Friends, I, I, just, I just know that for all of us, we need money. I mean, we all need money, don't we? There's, there's none of us who, who don't need money. I've rarely met anyone where they're just like, man, I've just got too much money. I'm just not even sure what I'm going to do. <laughs> I mean, just everyone, they needs, need money, you know? And, and we generally wish we had more. And, and we can get caught up in money, and we can get caught off guard by money. And yet when it comes about talking about this vitally important subject, most of us get really squeamish, especially when we're talking about it in church. Now, maybe you've been invited here by a friend. This is your first Sunday, and you're like, oh my. This is what I knew church was about. All they want is my money. They're always talking about money in church. Friends, we don't talk about money in church very often, but I know that it's very vitally important that we talk about money because we're using it all the time. But many of you would rather that I said, man, today I'm talking about sex or I'm talking about politics. You'd be much more happy if I said that I was talking about some of those divisive issues rather than talking about money just because it hits us, I think, where we live. And, and I want you to know today that even over this next four weeks, that when we talk about money, I'm not just going to talk about giving, although that is an important part, but I want to talk about our whole management of money and, and what money means to us, because I believe that if we get a healthier perspective of money, then it's going to make a huge difference in our lives. We're going to be equipped to use the money that God has entrusted us in a wise way, because I know this, 
money issues can really affect us negatively. In fact, marriage and, and relationship breakdown happens often because of finances. That we have all sorts of physical and, and mental health issues that happen as a result of financial stress. That many people actually have physical problems because of the financial stress that they're under. I, I know that it can lead to sleeplessness and anxiety and irritability. I know that, that often when it comes to money, we have a feast or a famine cycle. In fact, I've noticed that in Alberta, that, that often we're either flush with cash or we don't have any cash at all. And, and we go through these cycles and, and, and we're either like living the dream or we're, we're really not doing well. And that can be very difficult on us. Friends, I need you to understand today, the reason I'm talking about money is because money is important. And in fact, Jesus talked about money more than I've ever talked about money here in this church. In fact, if we look through the Gospels, that's Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John. If you look through the teaching of Jesus, about one in 10 words that Jesus says is about money or finances or wealth. One in 10. In fact, some of his most popular parables were about money. We, we see the parable of the rich fool, the parable of the talents, Jesus' encounter with the rich young ruler, not to say anything about Jesus cleansing the temple or his sermon on the mount where he talks about money. You see, Jesus didn't shy about talking about money, and I don't think that we should either especially if we want to be wholehearted followers of Jesus Christ. Friends, my goal is that you would know Jesus Christ and he would transform every area of your life. That we would actually let Jesus into every area of our life and to transform every single area, including how we use money. So let's dig into this together. Daniel read the, the scripture that we're going to be really talking about each and every one of the weeks in this next four weeks. That's Luke chapter 16, verses 1 through 13. And friends, I got to tell you, at first glance, that parable is very confusing. How many of you just have, have read that parable before, where all of a sudden there's this, there's this manager, and he's in a terrible job, and then he goes and behind his master, he, he makes all these side deals, and Jesus commends him. How many of you have thought that that's just a really weird parable? I mean, I have. I've read it so many times. I've been a Christian, a follower of Jesus Christ for a long time. And I'm just like, that is a strange parable. There's just some things that I don't really understand in that. Now, what I need you to understand right off the bat is that Jesus is not applauding this manager for his mismanagement, and he's not applauding him for his dishonesty. Not at all. What Jesus does applaud him for is his shrewdness. And I want you to know that when we look through the Bible, there are some things that are prescriptive and there are some things that are descriptive. There are some things that, that we are supposed to do. Here's your prescription. And then there are some things that are just described for us. And, and we can learn from all sorts of people. We can learn from good examples and we can learn from bad examples. Friends, some of you feel like, man, I, just in my workplace, you know, I don't feel like I'm getting mentored. I don't feel like I'm learning all the things that I should. Friends, I need you to understand, sometimes you're going to learn because you've got such an amazing example to learn from, and you can learn positively, but you can also learn from negative examples, and you can go, I will never do that. So some of you, if you're in a bad situation right now, and you feel like you're not learning, I want to tell you right now, you are learning. 
You just need to actually write it down and say, I will never treat people this way. I will never make these kind of decisions. I will never talk this way. And, and you can learn from all sorts of different examples. So what is shrewdness? When Jesus commends this man for being shrewd, what is shrewdness? Well, to be shrewd is to be astute, to be smart, to be resourceful, to be clever and strategic. In other words, to be shrewd is to see an issue, to see a problem. And when you look at that problem and you think about that problem, you realize that you may just have an answer to the problem. You may have a workaround to that problem and you take some practical steps to make sure that you can actually address that issue and correct that issue. And when it comes to money, God wants us to be biblically shrewd. He wants us to be shrewd with the money that we've been entrusted to because he knows the pain that can come into our lives if we're not shrewd with our finances. He knows what can happen when we mismanage. And he wants us to live our lives with less stress and more joy. I want you to know that today. God actually wants you to live with less stress and more joy. In fact, in John chapter 15, verse 11, Jesus said this, I have told you this so that my joy may be in you and that your joy may be complete. And when you look at John chapter 15, Jesus is talking to them all about following his commands. Jesus says, when you follow my commands, your joy will be complete that Jesus' joy will be in you. And so we want to be able to do that. The, the problem is many of us believe a lie that Jesus is actually out to steal our joy. That if we follow the commands of Jesus, that somehow our lives get smaller. Sometime, sometimes the joy will get sucked out of our lives. And friends, I just need you to understand today, that is poor teaching. And maybe you've come across some Christians or you've come across some churches where it's like, man, all the joy got sucked out of the room. But I want to tell you that's religion, not a relationship with Jesus Christ. When you obey his commands, your joy is actually made complete rather than running away. In fact, the one that steals joy is the enemy of our soul. That is Satan. He comes to steal and to kill and to destroy. But Jesus said in John 10, 10, I have come that you might have life and have a full life at that. Jesus wants you to have a full life. He wants you to experience true blessing. So right off the bat, I want to look at some things that we shouldn't do with money. The first thing we shouldn't do with money is we shouldn't waste money. Shouldn't waste money. Don't waste money. In the parable, the, the, master had, the, the manager had his master's finances, and he was playing fast and loose with his master's money. We read this in Luke chapter 16, verse 1. Jesus told his disciples, there was a rich man whose manager was accused of wasting his possessions. Now, I think all of us can say that there have been times where we haven't been great money managers. There have been times when perhaps we've bought some things on impulse, where we've spent good money on bad ideas. Any of you ever done that? Yeah, anyone willing to put up their hand where, where maybe you've spent some good money on some bad ideas? Man, I remember when our kids were small and, and uh, Melissa said, let's go to K-Days or whatever it was called at that time, Capital X. I don't even know what it's called anymore. Let's go to the fair right? And uh, I've never liked fairs. I'm just not one of those guys. I'm kind of a clean freak. So you, you cannot be a clean freak and actually enjoy the fair. But here we are, we're with our kids because we love our kids and, and the kids are having cotton candy and all sorts of things. And as we would walk 
up and down the fairgrounds, I just realized how much money was being blown. And it always seemed to be blown by people that you just didn't feel like they could afford to blow the money. Do you know what I mean? And they would be playing these games and, and they'd be laying down 50 bucks and then another 20 and another 20 all in an effort to get a big old stuffed toy that they probably could have bought for $3. You know, but, but they, they laid down 70 or $90 and now all of a sudden they've got this big old stuffed toy and, and they don't even know what to do with it, but they're so proud that they got that for their girlfriend. You know, just kind of a waste of money. I've always wondered, man, what if I set up a booth there and I just sold those plush toys, you know, for 10 bucks? I'd still make tons of cash. But I think that all of us could say, man, there are some times where we have spent our money foolishly. You see, many of us, we view money as status. And for us, it, it makes us feel good when we have lots of money or the perception of a lot of money. And so it makes us feel good when we can go out with our neighbors and our friends and, and we can go to a really nice restaurant and, and we put down that card and it's like, hey, it's on me. You know what I mean? And you give a big old tip and everyone can see you gave a big old tip and you just tap, 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 tapioca. You know what I mean? And you're just like, you're into it, right? And you know, man, it's just like you're rolling. But friends, you're not rolling because it's all going on your visa and you know you you can't cover your visa, but money is status for you. When you think about money, you think about status and you feel good about yourself. And yet we waste money, friends. Now I'm gonna go into this deeper in just a few moments, but bear in mind, we shouldn't be wasting money. The second thing we shouldn't do is we shouldn't love money. Another way of thinking about this is we shouldn't live for money. And many of us, we do live for money. And as followers of Jesus, we're supposed to love and live for God. God is supposed to be our main affection. We, we don't love or live money. We're supposed to love and live for God. And yet, for many of us, our affections have been drawn towards money. And money has become our number one priority. In Luke chapter 16 verse 13, Jesus said, no one can serve two masters. Either you're going to hate the one and love the other, or you're going to be devoted to the one and despise the other. You cannot serve both God and money. You know, many of us, rich, poor, and, and everything in between, we've made money the central concern of our lives. And because of this, we've often crowded out God from our lives. And because of this, we've, we've, become unhealthily preoccupied with money. You see, money has become a symbol of happiness for us. When we think of money, money is what actually brings us happiness. We get our joy from the amount of money that we have and the amount of money that we spend, often at the expense of God and others. You see, in the Ten Commandments, we are, we are called by God, we are commanded by God that we're not supposed to have any other gods in our lives. And many of us, we think that we're free and clear because you're like, man, I don't have an idol in my life. Like, I don't bow down to a wooden or a gold statue. Like, like, I don't have any of that in my life. But I would say that many of us, many of us worship at the altar of money. And we're willing to go to any length in order to get more and more. I, I believe in Canada and North America, money is our chosen God. It's, it's our God. And we bow before that God and we, we slave for that God on a daily basis. I mean, if you show me your bank statement or your credit card statements and your calendar, 
You know, you open up your, your calendar in your phone and you show me what your credit card statements are and your bank statements. I'll show you your priorities. Because where we put our money, where we put our time, it, it does show what our priorities are. And many of us, if we were to take a look at our spending, we would know very quickly what is important to us. P.T. Barnum once said this, money is a terrible master, but an excellent servant. A terrible master, but an excellent servant. And I think far too many of us are slaves to money rather than slaves to God. You see, when you're a slave to money, you are truly in bondage. But when you are a slave to God, that's when you're free. And that's what I think we have to actually get our minds wrapped around. When we are a slave to God, that's where there's freedom. But when we're a slave to money, that's when we're actually in bondage. And so I want to encourage you. I want to encourage you that you would not waste money and then you would not love money. And then, friends, I want to encourage you that you wouldn't trust money. You wouldn't trust money. Many have placed our trust in money we feel like if we've got enough in our savings, enough in our RSPs, that, that we're going to be okay. And if we don't, then, then we're just a total wreck. We, we feel like if we just hit that magic number, everything is going to be good. You see, for us, money is actually security. Money is a symbol of security. And if we have enough money, then we will finally feel secure. And this can change quickly. In Luke chapter 16, verse 3, Jesus said, The manager said to himself, What shall I do now? My master is taking away my job, and I'm not strong enough to dig, and I'm ashamed to beg. Friends, I need you to understand, money is easy come and easy go. One day you have an awesome job. The next day that, that same company goes through a massive restructuring, and, and you're out. You're on the outside looking in. One day the markets are up and the next day they can absolutely crash. You know this, you've seen it. We need to be careful where we put our trust. We should never put our trust in anything that can be lost or taken away from us. Never put your trust in anything that can be lost or can be taken away from you. In Proverbs chapter 23, verse five, it says, cast but a glance at riches and they're gone. For they'll surely sprout wings and fly off to the sky like an eagle. Have you ever felt like your money sprouted wings and, and just flew off? Man, if you have children, man, you know what that's all about. And there are just times where I'm just like, what is going on? You know, if you have a vehicle or whatever, just sometimes you just feel like, just man, my money's flying away. It's flying away. Now, friends, I need you to understand this. Is that... What I'm saying is, is not, well, let's, be, let's just be reckless. Let's not save or let's not spend less than, than we make because money will fly away. Friends, I want us to be shrewd. I want us to be prudent. I want you to save. I want you to spend less than you make. However, I just don't want your trust to be in money because when you trust money, it will let you down. It can be taken from you. It can be lost. You see, our trust needs to be firmly in Jesus Christ because he will never leave us and he will never forsake us. So don't find your satisfaction in money because that's what money is for many of us. It's satisfaction. Don't find your satisfaction in money. This is where I think that money is actually a measure of success. Many of us feel like we're successful if we've got money. That the more that we have, the more successful 
we are. And when we don't have enough, we don't feel successful or happy or content. And, and our mantra really just becomes just a little bit more. I'll be, I'll be happy when I have just a little bit more. You know, the value that you have is not based on your net worth. Some of you need to hear that today because you've been judging your value by your net worth and I just need you to understand your value is not based on your net worth. Your value is based on what Jesus says about you and he loves you and he cares for you. You see, more money is not a guarantee of more happiness, more joy, or more security. Sometimes actually more money carries with it more problems, right? You know, all of a sudden you get more money and you get a second house or you, you get a beach house and, and you get all sorts of toys and then all of a sudden you're having to winterize and you're having to summarize everything and, and you're having to rake more and all the rest and, and, and it can actually bring more problems. Some of you are like, I would love that problem right now, pastor. Just, just give me that problem. But friends, you and I both know that, that money isn't going to answer all of your worries. You see, many of us, at one point, we were like, when we were driving an old jalopy, you know, we just thought, man, if only I could have a vehicle that was like five or seven years old, just a used vehicle, I'd be so happy. And you get into that used vehicle, and for that first month, you're just like, this is an amazing vehicle. But then you start thinking, man, wouldn't it be great to have that new car smell? I just really would love a new car, just once in my life. And then you stretch for it, and, and you think, man, monthly payments, I can make this happen. You get into that new car, and it's it's got that new car toxic smell and, and after a month that new car toxic smell is gone because you've breathed it into your lungs and into your body and into your brain and now because of that now your brain is not thinking the way that it should and you think man I deserve a luxury car now I deserve a luxury car and, and then you go out and you buy yourself a luxury car because you feel like maybe if everything aligns up right you have enough money for that luxury car payment. Friends these see how this goes? It's never enough. We just want more and more. Bigger houses, bigger vacations, better cars, all of these things. We rarely come to a place where we just go, no, I'm just content. In Ecclesiastes chapter 5 verse 10, it says, whoever loves money never has enough. Whoever loves wealth is never satisfied with their income. This too is meaningless. Do you get that? Never satisfied? We're just never satisfied. So don't waste your money. Don't love your money. Don't trust your money and don't look for satisfaction in money. This is clearly what the Bible teaches. However, today I want to leave you with the positive. I've talked about the things that money isn't. Today I want to leave you with the positive, something that we should remember about money, and that is this. Everything belongs to God. Everything belongs to God. Yes, even money belongs to God. You see, God is the creator and the sustainer of everything in this world. He not only created you, he created this universe. Everything in this world is from him. Without him, we wouldn't have anything, including our lives. Everything is his. Every single resource is his. All of the oil in the ground and natural gas, all of the trees, all of the rivers, all of the grass, all of the food, everything is his. It all belongs to God. You see, our money is really God's money, whether we choose to live by that or not. Rick Warren said this, what you think you own is really on loan. I think that's, that's a good thing to remember. You see, everything that we have and everything 
that we, that we will have has been entrusted us for the 70 or 100 years we're gonna live. And someone had it before us and someone's gonna have it after us, friends. It's just entrusted for the time that we are here on this earth. We're all managers. That's what we are. We're managers. Now, this may change the way that you think when you go to a restaurant and you're not happy and you say, can I talk to the manager? It might change knowing that you're a manager as well. We are all managers. You see, you're a manager. I'm a manager. Jeff Bezos is a manager. Warren Buffett is. Elon Musk, Oprah Winfrey. Now, all these people have lots of money, and yet they are all managers. What we have is from our master, our employer, God. And you might say to me, well, Pastor Michael, what I've got, man, I, I earned with these two hands. I worked hard with these two hands. Or, or what I've got, Pastor Michael, I, I don't know that I really agree with this, because I built my business on, on sweat, on ingenuity, I came up with different processes and I've got different patents. That's why. And I would say to you, where did you get your hands? Where did you get your mind? Where did you get your energy? It all came from God. It all came from God, friends. It's not something that came from you. It came from God. In Psalm 24, one, it says this, the earth is the Lord's and everything in it the world and all who live in it. You see, your capacity to earn money is from God alone, and he's loaned it to you, and it's your role and responsibility to be faithful and trustworthy as a manager of that money. You see, in this parable, the manager was not very trustworthy. We come back to Luke chapter 16, verse one. Jesus told his disciples that there was a rich man whose manager was accused of wasting his possessions. Man, he wasted what had been entrusted to him. It wasn't his. This manager, it wasn't his money that he was playing fast and loose with. It was his master's money. All of the money that he had, all of the money that he had access to was just simply on loan to him. And friends, I think what this should do for all of us today is that it should ratchet up the pressure on us, but it should also get rid of the pressure on us. Here's what I mean. First of all, it should ratchet up the pressure where you would actually come to that understanding that everything I have is God's and I'm a manager. Therefore, I need to be careful with the money that I've been entrusted to. This isn't my money. It's actually God's money. It's on loan to me. So I've got to be careful that I don't waste it. I've got to be careful that I'm a good manager. I've got to be shrewd with this money. But friends, that's the pressure side of us, of it, but I want to take off the pressure now. Now I want to take off the pressure. Friends, if you're a manager and God is the owner, when you're driving your car and you get into a fender bender and you're like, oh, what am I going to do? Someone just clipped me, someone hit me, and I'm not sure that, that I can pay that, that uh, you know, down payment. I'm not sure that I can actually, actually get this fixed. Guess what you get to do? God, what are you going to do with your car? You're the owner of it. Man, I, I've got a kid that right now needs $25,000 of, of, of work done on his mouth. Already, man, we've got him in, in, in corrective, you know, trays and all the rest. And eventually his jaw has got to get broken and reset. 
table. <laughs> I was going to sign him up for boxing and, and maybe we could get it done for free. I remember being in that office and, and the surgeon is saying, well, it's going to cost this much money. And, and I, I was like, so I'm adding this up. And, and I said, so you're saying $25,000. And he looks at me and says, yeah, I'm saying $25,000. And, uh, and it's very tempting at that moment to go, I, 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 don't, I don't got it. I, I don't know how I'm going to do this. But friends, I just want you to know, Zane is God's kid. He's just on loan to me. And you may laugh, but this is what I've been doing in my prayers. It's like, God, you've got to provide. Because you're the owner. You're the owner. I'm simply a manager, and I've been trying to manage my best way through all of this. So God, you're going to find a way to provide. Now, here's the deal. God can do that in a number of ways. He can drop manna from heaven. And all of a sudden, I can have a check in the mail for $25,000, and I'll be praising God. Hallelujah. Or he might say, hey, Michael, you know what? There are some things that you need to sell. You're not using it. It's collecting dust. You're not being a good steward of that, and I can sell that. He might have some opportunities where, where I can work and I can speak, and there's different things. Or he might just say, man, you have got to reprioritize because there's $25,000 of fat in your budget somewhere over this next five or six years. But friends, I'm not losing sleep. I just need you to understand that right now. Do you know why? A long time ago, I got convinced that everything that I have is just on loan. And I've got car repairs that are coming up, and I'm not sure what to do about them. But friends, I know this. I know that God is faithful. And if I'll be faithful as a manager, then he's going to do his job as an owner because an owner has to come through. If you're managing a restaurant, you do everything to make sure that that restaurant is running tickety-boo. But if all of a sudden there is a flood in that restaurant, it's not the manager that pulls out his money and says, I've got to pay for this. No, 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 no. He calls up the owner and says, you better do something about this. And I want you to know that you've got a heavenly father, that if you are a good manager, you just call out to him and you say, help. And he can come through. So today, I want to encourage you when we talk about money as a church, I want you to know everything comes from God. And so that carries with it a significant responsibility that we as managers, we've got to step up our game. And some of you out of this, you need to begin to think about different ways that you've got to actually look at your finances. But I also want to give you a sense of freedom saying, friends, everything you have is on loan. Let's go to the Lord and ask him, to provide. I want you to know that since I was 13 years old, when I invited Jesus to come into my life, I have purposed that I was going to put him first in all of my life. I was going to put him first in, in my time, in my devotion. I was going to put him first in my finances, with my friendships. And there have been times where I've faltered. There's been times where I've needed a course correction, but friends, I've continued on in that. And there's no life like it. And I want to say to you, if you want a change in your life, if you don't have a relationship with Jesus Christ, I want you to know that Jesus wants to transform your life in every area. You see, when we talk about having a relationship with Jesus Christ, God doesn't want to just touch us in that spiritual hunger. He wants to touch us emotionally. He wants to heal us physically. 
He wants to do a work relationally in your life. He wants to do a work financially. He wants every part of you. And if you will put your trust in him as Savior and Lord, he will begin to walk with you and help you through all of these things. But it starts with a choice saying, Jesus, I need you. I need to prioritize you as number one in my life. Because many of us, we don't do that. He's, he's one among many, but he wants full control of our lives. You see, it's our sinfulness that keeps us from God. It's our sinfulness that actually says, no, I'm in control. It's my money. And what we need to do is we need to have that sinfulness taken away, forgiven, changed by Jesus Christ so that he would put his spirit in us and make us alive to the truth, the truth that everything is the Lord's, including you. Would you bow your heads with me today? Whether you're joining us in Vegarville online, or right here in Edmonton, if you would like to have a relationship with Jesus Christ, you've never put your trust in Jesus, but today you want to. You want him to have control of all of your life. Would you just slip up a hand so that I can pray for you today? Thank you. Thank you. Let's pray together. Lord Jesus, for those that have slipped up a hand, I pray right now that you would come into their lives and you would change them from the inside out. I pray, Lord Jesus, that, that they would know the love of Jesus Christ. They would know the forgiveness that you bring because of your death and your resurrection. And Lord God, I pray that you would put your spirit alive in them so that they would make those choices to put you number one in every area of their life, including their finances. And they would see you do a wonderful and a good work. And so I bless each person here. Lord, help us all to be good stewards of what you've entrusted us. Help us to realize that there is nothing that we own, but everything is on loan. We pray these things in your name. Amen.